0: Well, good evening church family I'm so thankful Before um, we go too far though I want to talk a little bit about abortion Set me a timer There you go You know, um, we're on the verge of God doing some amazing things across our nation. And one of the biggest things that has to change is we need to not have abortions in the United States of America. You can go ahead and have a seat. But I want to show you what that might look like because I already realize when you're believing God for a breakthrough, you need to be thinking past the breakthrough. Because when the breakthrough comes, there's going to be a lot of business to take care of. And as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to have strategies in place. So I'm just going to do a brief little thing, and then I'm going to pray over this house. Erica and John, would you stand up and turn around? These are my babies. (laughs) Yeah. John Benjamin, at five years old, used to run and follow Pastor Daniel before he knew English, but he knew what? Now I have a purpose. Now I have a destiny. You can guys can sit down. I had to ask their permission. A ending abortion might look like that at your house. We're all about, oh, I spiritually adopted people. But some people, they need to be adopted. They need a mom and a dad and dinner and food and a bed and a bath. Maybe you can't do that, but you might have a set of bunk beds in the garage. You might have a free evening for the family that did. So I'm going to pray that, yes, Lord, end abortion, but Father... Pray with me now. Father, in this house, we are committed to your will and your ways. Lord, nothing is going to be too hard for us. And I pray, Father God, as you move across our nation and you awaken this country, that you will set us apart as people who said yes. Move upon our hearts now for the cause of the unborn. Move upon our hearts now for the cause of the widow and the orphan, for those that have been forgotten. Father, make us a people that will sacrifice to see those that you love loved well in God. How do you make yourself hungry? You remove the food source. We fill ourselves with all these other things. Guard your children's capacity to be hungry for the Lord. This is a parent of 31 years speaking to you. Football, Girl Scouts, all of those things are fine. But just because it's permissible doesn't mean it's profitable. I don't want one child in this house to feel like I missed out when the glory of God is sweeping over and mom and dad said, you're not playing ball tonight, you're going to church. Because I'm telling you, your grandchildren's children will hear stories about what is happening, what happened here. And you want your kids right in the middle of it they're gonna carry it across the globe so I just wanted to encourage you pray don't be discouraged be brave make room and make room in your routine make room in your checkbook come on make room in your check I'm not talking about your tithe I'm talking about make room in your checkbook make room and as we make room It's going to allow more and more of the glory to God to fill that space. So that's what I had to say to you tonight.
1: I got got this one. I got this one. Awesome. Thank you, love. Amen. I want to echo a couple of things. Tonight, Jan and I are just, as she said, super grateful, super thankful to the Lord for allowing us, to serve here, to be a part of this amazing staff and this amazing church, and to have in our lives all of you amazing people. I stand here tonight before you just uh, almost unable to contain myself with the feeling of being just amazingly blessed by the Lord to be a part of what he's doing in this day, in this hour, and in this state, and in this church. Sometimes it's like, Lord, I don't, I don't deserve this, and yet I thank you, Lord, that you're allowing this to happen. So again, thank you guys for allowing us to, uh, to come back and be a part of your family once again, and Jan's correct, there is a shifting, there is a, there is a shifting. 2019, you know, we were there at Maui, and Brother Jonathan Shuttlesworth preached every night, amazing, uh, just amazing, uh, just life-changing. I repented at least four times. Um, during the services, uh, of just things that I would say that were incorrect, things that I would say or think that didn't line up with scripture. And one of the things he kept saying is 2019 is gonna be the, the best year ever. And it's easy to say, well, you know, 2018 was what it was, and so 2019 is gonna be the best year ever by faith. But I really believe it. I believe there is a shifting, I believe there's a changing, I believe there's a changing of mindsets, a changing of perception. And so, what I wanna give you tonight. In, in just the little time remaining, is is I want to give you a couple of things to ponder and a couple of things to consider uh, in this area of shifting and changing perspective. You know, a lot of times, and, and we're going to read Scripture, and, we'll, and, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a minute, but a lot of times we may buy things that that have, uh, you know, in boxes or bags, and it has written on it, you know, contents may settle during shipping. Potato chips are the worst. You buy a big bag of potato chips, although all those all of us that are... not uh, not doing carbs and are on keto. We don't eat chips anymore unless they're keto-friendly. But, um, you know, you buy a bag of potato chips and you think it's full and then you open it and it looks like somebody took a one-third of it out because contents may settle in shipping. I'm here to tell you tonight what God wants to do in your life and in my life, you're not going to open it up and as he opens it up for you, you're not going to find that something's missing. You're not going to find that contents have settled. You're actually going to find that as you open up what God has for you and I, what we're going to find is it's going to overflow. Instead of, instead of opening and going, wow, where did it all go, we're going to open it, and as it begins to overflow in front of us, as it begins to overflow in every area of our life, as it begins to touch every member of our family, as it begins to touch our community, we're going to be like, Lord, it's just overflowing your goodness and your mercy and your love and your grace and your forgiveness and all of the great things about you, God, are just overflowing and overflowing. Amen? When we talk about the fact that it contents may ship, it means they may have made a box too big for this stuff. Can I tell you that the box, God, you may feel like the box that you have right now that God has for you, it's it, the stuff that that's going to come out is going to be even greater than it, with the box. It wouldn't all fit in. There's too much blessing. Now, I got I got some amens, so I'm glad, but I want you to think about that. There's too much blessing. I want to declare to you tonight there's a, there's a level of ridiculous blessing that God wants you and I to live in. Did you hear what I said? There is a level of ridiculous blessing that God wants you and I to live in. I'm going to give you some scripture to back it up. I'm just going to give you the references. I'll say it. You can write down the reference if you want. You can look it back up uh, on your own. We're not going to take time to put them up on the, on the board. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished. Upon us. If the Father lavishes his great love upon us, man that's a ridiculous blessing. John 10:10. 10, 10, Jesus said, "The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly." a realm of ridiculous blessing. Ephesians 1:3 says, "Blessed be the God and Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Psalm 924 and five from the New Living translation says this, "You thrill me, Lord, with all that you have done for me I sing for joy because of what you have done. O oh Lord, what great works you do and how deep are your thoughts? Psalm 139:14. Marvelous are your works, my soul knows very well. Psalm 84:11. Again from the New Living Translation, for the Lord God our God is our sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. The Lord will not withhold any good thing from those who do right, or as the King James says, from those who walk uprightly. I'm here to tell you tonight, church, I'm here to proclaim to you tonight, there is a realm of ridiculous blessing that God is wanting you and I to move into when we think about 2019. But you know what, I could go on. There's more and more and more scripture, but I think you get my point. Amen. What's the key to moving into this realm of ridiculous blessing. I'm gonna give it to you tonight in two points from two different passages that actually contain this one word that's the same in both passages. It takes a radical obedience to live in ridiculous blessing. That's good to tweet. Somebody ought to tweet that. It takes radical obedience to live in ridiculous blessing. Turn your Bibles to the book of Luke and yes, I know we normally stand to honor God's word, but you don't have to stand right now. Just Luke chapter 5. I want to read the passage of scripture to you tonight. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And if you can throw this up there, we're going to read, uh, we're going to read all the way down through uh, verse 7. So chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets then he got into one of the boats which was simon's and asked him to put it out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat verse 4 when he had stopped speaking he said to simon launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch but simon answered and said to him master we have toiled all night and caught nothing Nevertheless, and I want you to remember that word tonight. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled, verse 7, to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Can I tell you, that's moving into a realm of ridiculous blessing. And the key to Peter and the other fishermen moving into that realm. And the lesson that the Holy Spirit wants you and I to understand is it took radical obedience to the word of God that opened the door for them to move into ridiculous blessing. See, Jesus was trying to shift Peter into a new anointing. But Peter started to resist a little a little bit. I'm going to paraphrase. It's kind of like Peter was saying, "Lord, it's all been for nothing. We've worked so hard for nothing." We've worked so hard and just all we have is empty nets. We've prayed, we've fasted, we've confessed your word for nothing. It's all been for nothing. Because see, sometimes we have that same Peter mentality. Lord, I'm doing all this stuff and it just doesn't seem to be accomplishing anything. It doesn't seem to be working. God, what are we doing here? Lord, why are we in the midst of this? How did we end up here? Jesus told Peter to launch out into the deep to try again. He was giving Peter a vision of abundance. Jesus didn't say, try one more time and see if you might catch something. He said emphatically, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a net-breaking, boat-sinking blessing. He was saying there is a blessing out there with your name on it waiting for you if you will let down your nets, if you will obey, if you will walk in radical obedience before me. Jesus was saying there's a multitude of fish out there waiting for you. They have an appointment to jump into your nets. And if you don't go out there and you don't let down your nets, you're going to miss your appointment with your blessing. Look at somebody, tell your neighbor and say, don't miss your blessing. It's kind of like what Mary, the mother of Jesus, said, whatever he says to you, do it. Mary told the servants at the wedding when they ran out of wine, I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but this was the first miracle of Jesus. But there was something, not only did Mary remember, when it, it says that when the angel came and spoke to Mary, when Gabriel came and spoke to Mary and told her what God was going to do through her, that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, it says she remembered those words and pondered them in her heart. And when it came time for a miracle to take place, she didn't have to wonder where to go. And she didn't have to wonder what to do. Even when Jesus said, woman, which that was a brave Jewish man to talk to his mama that way. But he said, woman, what do you have to do with me? It's not my time. And she, she completely ignored him and said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. If you'll do that, this situation, this potential embarrassment for the, for the master of the wedding, this potential uh, tragedy, will be averted if you'll do whatever he says. And that's exactly what the Lord is trying to tell you and I tonight as we're talking about shifting in to this area of, of ridiculous blessing. Through our obedience, the Lord is saying tonight, our water will turn into wine, meaning meaning what we need to just get by will now become something that is in abundance in our lives if we'll listen to what he has to say. When the servants obeyed, the water became wine. God's trying to shift you and I into a new anointing. Peter almost missed the breakthrough anointing because he's tried to argue with Jesus a little bit. Don't argue with the Lord. You won't win. His word endures forever. His word stands true when every other word is a lie. Do not argue with the Lord. One word shifted Peter into a ridiculous blessing. That one word changed everything, and that word was nevertheless. Nevertheless. Peter's argument went something like this. Lord, it doesn't make any sense. You don't, fish, you don't fish now. We fished when it was the right time. Lord, I've tried. i fished all night. I don't feel like doing this again. Lord, I don't want to be disappointed again. It's not worth the effort. But Peter spoke one word that changed everything. Nevertheless. You and I need to make sure we have a nevertheless in our vocabulary. That one little word might seem insignificant, but it's full of power. Nevertheless means I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care if I've tried it before and it didn't work. I don't care if it's going to cost me something, some of my pride, some of my finances, all of my finances. I don't care if it, if it doesn't make sense. Nevertheless, I don't care if it makes me look foolish. Nevertheless, I will obey. Nevertheless, I will go. Nevertheless, I will do. Nevertheless, I will pray. I will forgive. I will sow the seed. I will take the step. I will fill the water pots with water, even though everybody is expecting wine. I will go dip seven times in the muddy Jordan River. I will march around the walls for seven days. I will borrow empty vessels, everyone that I can find. I will make a, the prophet a cake, even though it was going to be the last meal for me and my child. Nevertheless, I will obey and fulfill the word of the Lord and move into the realm of ridiculous blessing. Somebody say hallelujah tonight. It's kind of like that story in 2 Kings chapter 4, I believe, where, where the widow, it says that the widow of one of the sons of the prophets came to Elijah and said, my husband, your servant, has passed away. And now the, uh, the debtors, are, the creditors are coming, and they're going to take our, my sons away and put them in prison because I can't pay the bill. Because see, sometimes whenever we're moving into this realm of ridiculous blessing, Sometimes it's gonna seem like his instructions seem a little ridiculous. Sometimes it's gonna seem like what God is saying to us doesn't make sense. Sometimes it's gonna be like this widow woman because the prophet said, What do you have? What do you have? She says, I have a little bit of oil. I was gonna make a, I have a little bit of oil in my house. He said, Then what you do is he said, Get every jar, pot, container, thimble cup, mug, whatever you can find that that can hold oil. Borrow it from your neighbors, go around the neighborhood, knock on the doors and say, "Do you have any empty milk jugs? Do you have any empty 2 liter can uh, jugs? Whatever you can find. You and your sons do that. And then you begin to pour the oil." Now that seemed ridiculous. She said, "I've got a little jar of oil." And yet the prophet said, "Here's the word of the Lord." That it, that she didn't realize but she had a nevertheless. It didn't make sense. It seemed ridiculous. That seemed like the most crazy thing You know, how come come you're just not willing, since he was one of your sons of the prophets, one of your servants, how come you just don't take care of us? How come you just don't pay our bills? How come you just don't go pay the creditors? How come? Because God wants to establish something in you and I, just like he wanted to establish in the life of that lady, that if we will obey, even when his instructions seem ridiculous, that we will move into a realm of ridiculous blessing, because that's exactly what happened for her. If you read the story, you understand that, it, that she began to fill. And she would fill one and say, okay, next. And her son would put it next, next, next. And she kept, that oil kept pouring, that oil kept pouring, that oil kept pouring until finally they were out of containers. She said, are, are there any more? He said, no, ma'am, mom. We filled every container that we could find, that we could borrow, that we could come up with. They're all filled. And then she said, went and told the prophet, he said, now go sell it all. Pay off your debt and live the rest of your days off of what's left over. What a ridiculous blessing that came out of obeying what seemed like to be a ridiculous word. You and I have got to get within us a nevertheless Nevertheless, it doesn't matter what our family says. Nevertheless, it doesn't matter what society says. Nevertheless, it doesn't matter what religion, what tradition, what the old way of doing it says. Nevertheless, at your word, I will do what you are telling me. And when we do, we will move into a realm of ridiculous blessing. Hallelujah. Turn to another passage of Scripture. Second Samuel chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. I got to get out of this coat. <laughs> Second Samuel chapter five, interesting passage. Interesting passage beginning in verse six. Let me let me set a, let me set a little background. Maybe you know this. Maybe you don't. If you study scripture and not just. Don't get me wrong, read scripture, read the Bible, read the Bible through in a year, read the Bible through in 90 days, read it through in six months, read it through however, read it. But study it too, okay? Study it too. And, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't. The entire, 1 Samuel talks about all that was going on in Israel and how Samuel anointed David to be king when he was the, the little shepherd boy. Do you realize it wasn't until Second Samuel, after Saul died, that that was when king, David moved in to become king? And that's the background right before this passage here in 2 Samuel chapter 6. Saul had died. David moved in to become the king. And it says this, verse 6, And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here. But the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Look at verse 7. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. Now David said on that day, whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore they say, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. Now maybe you don't know who the Jebusites are, but if you do a little history in the scriptures, you'll find out who the Jebusites are. You can go all the way back to the book of Genesis. The Jebusites Jebusites were direct descendants of Canaan, who was a direct uh, descendant of, of Noah. So all the way back in Genesis, we read about these people known as the Jebusites. And then when you get to Moses and Joshua, God commanded Moses. First, he told Abraham, I'm going to give you the promised land. Then when it came time for Moses to lead the people into the promised land, God said, when you get there, you're going to need to drive out people. Then he especially told Joshua, when you cross over, you need to begin to drive out all these other, other inhabitants of your promised land. And you know who was listed as some of the inhabitants of the promised land? The Jebusites. Now, a little history, if you check uh, the, uh, as much as best I can tell in doing some research. From the time Joshua died until the time David became king and sat on the throne, 390 to 400 years Maybe you didn't get what I'm saying. For almost 400 years, the Jebusites, who God had said, get them out of the land because it's not their land. It's the land I've promised you. For 400 years, they were still there. Wow. That means when Joshua came and crossed over, he didn't drive them all the way out. They suffered some defeat, but he didn't drive them out. They were living in the, on the high place in the hill country they were actually their capital city was actual called actually called Jebus, which was Jerusalem. Are you putting the picture together now? They were dwelling in Jerusalem. David became king, and he said, "That's mine. That's mine. That hill country, that's mine. That's where the city of David. That's where Zion." But and it was and see it was going to be prophesied by the prophets that out of David's lineage would come the Messiah, and he would be born in the city of David. Do you understand that if David hadn't done the nevertheless, what might have happened to prophecy of Scripture being fulfilled? Are you putting it together now? When I was reading this and studying this and I was looking at it, this is what the Lord said. There are some people that have settled. There are some people that... You know, they haven't shifted into this realm of ridiculous blessing. They haven't shifted into this realm of just radical obedience because there's still some Jebusites around. There's still some Jebusites inhabiting the land. And my message to you tonight is, what are you going to do about the Jebusites? What are you going to do about the squatters who are squatting on your promise? Are you going to allow them to continue to be there even though they're not supposed to? Even though God has said it's not their land, it's yours. That's not that, that family is your family. It doesn't belong to some ungodly somebody else. That, that inheritance is yours. It doesn't belong to somebody else. What are we going to do about the Jebusites that are inhabiting our promise? Can I tell you, if we're going to move into this realm of ridiculous blessing We're going to have to deal with the Jebusites. See, the Jebusites are reasons why you can have a whole bunch of people sitting in an anointed service, power of God's falling. Minister Micah, if you would come to the keyboard, please. Power of God is falling. God is moving. The Spirit is doing great things. And you can have a whole bunch of people uh, sitting in that, and you can have two or three on one side getting touched, their socks blessed off, man, God is speaking to them and they are moving into a supernatural realm of ridiculous blessing and you can have people sitting on the same row that don't have a clue what's going on. Can I tell you it's because maybe there's still some Jebusites in the land? It wasn't until David went in and see, the Jebusites, it's it's no small thing that it says it was a stronghold. Something that's allowed to stay around almost 400 years Becomes a stronghold They got confident in themselves to the fact that they were cocky They knew David was coming And they said man the blind and the lame will be able to repel David David won't be able to The cripples among us will be able to keep David out See that's what the Jebusites in my life and in your life likes to tell us because sometimes we get way too comfortable with the things that really need to go. And the word of the Lord is that we need to obey. Doesn't matter whether it makes sense. Well, Lord, you know, Lord, my family's always been that way. Lord, my mama was that way. Lord, my dad was that way. We've always done it like that. Nevertheless, at your word. Nevertheless, I will go and take what is mine. I will take it back. How how are we going to do that? His Word, His Word, and His Spirit. When you and I can begin to believe, and see, there's been a radical shift in my life. And any time you say something like that, you know, you, you put almost a target on you because then people watch you, you know. But there's been a radical shift in my life. I shared with our KSM students on Thursday, ended up sharing it Saturday morning at the men's thing, didn't, didn't really know I was going to. There's a passage in the in the in the epistle first John chapter 4 where it says that we don't because of the love of God that he's given us we won't be ashamed when we stand before him at judgment because as he Jesus is now so are we in the world. A lot of Christians don't live like that. A lot of Christians don't live like we are Jesus in the world. A lot of Christians live like we're trying to get to become Jesus, which is why. And I'm not being critical. I'm telling you the shift in my life, which is why we say things like, Lord, I can't wait for the breakthrough. God, I'm waiting on the victory that you said is coming. Can I tell you, the same Bible that says what I just told you says, Because Christ is victorious, We are victorious. We don't have to wait on the victory to come. It's already been given. It's already been promised. We don't have to wait on breakthrough to come. Breakthrough's already here. What you and I have to do is line ourselves up with the Word. Line ourselves up and be, be willing, even if it sounds ridiculous, to have radical obedience. And when we do, we'll begin to see a realm of ridiculous blessing like we've never seen before. David went in and conquered and changed it. The, the, the Jebus became Jerusalem. Zion, the city of David, was established. And because of that, his lineage was how Jesus came into the world. God's plan. You don't know the blessings that you are preparing for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren by the radical obedience that you and I are willing to walk in now it doesn't matter what everybody else does, I'll quote Jonathan Shuttlesworth, we're not like everybody else amen come on stand to your feet all across this place I feel a shift in this room tonight I feel a shift right now. I feel like the Lord is is shifting some things. Some of you already, you know the Jebusite stuff, the remnant of the Jebusites that has been allowed to hang around. You've gotten some victory over some things. They've been defeated at some times, but you've allowed some remnant. I know I've said this before, and I'm not just saying it to hear me say it again, but I'm saying it because it remains true. Most of us carry one of these. It's called a smartphone. Can I tell you that a radical obedience to the Lord might be that he tells you get a dumb phone so that the Jebusite junk that's been allowed to stay in your life is gone forever and you will begin to move into a realm of ridiculous blessing. Come on, just lift your hands all across this place. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's speaking to people right now.
2: Yes, Lord, yes,
1: Lord, yes,
2: Lord. Hallelujah. Just one word from you. just one word, one word will do. Lord, your me on my high place whispering my
1: team you just keep playing that this morning during service minister Michael was playing this rift and I was sitting on the front row and those words that I just sang just washed over me now they're not original it's from another song but that's not the right tune but it just fit and the Lord said be prepared the people need to know, all it will take all is needed is one word, one word from the Lord, it doesn't have to be one single word, it can be a thus saith the Lord and we respond nevertheless and we will will be shifted out of where we were just getting by, just having enough, just making it to living in a realm of ridiculous blessing so I'm going to sing that again before I turn it back over to Pastor Daniel, before Jan and I pray and minister to people. If you're, if you're here tonight as I sing and the word the Lord is speaking to you is this and thus and so is your Jebusite, repent, get rid of it, get out from where you are and come to the altar and make a personal altar time with the Lord and allow him to remove, pluck out, break down, cut down, Hack up that stronghold that has developed over time because of things that you've allowed. Come on. Allow the Lord to
2: speak to you. Yes. Just one word. Just one word.
1: On the drums, Daniel.
2: Deliver me
1: from my
2: enemies and send. from saying tonight, send your word.
3: We want to just pray over the Haggerty's and just bless them and pray over them and have a time of fellowship with, uh, in the lobby. I want to share something that the Lord really riveted in my spirit as you were preaching. And it's a simple song, and I think you might know it. This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land is made for you and me. As I went walking that ribbon of highway and saw above the endless skyway and saw below the Golden Valley, this land was made for you and me. It goes on and on and on and on. It's, I don't know the title of the song, but, oh, well, this land is your land. It's about America. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think about how this great country was formed on God's word, religious freedom, and the glory of the gospel, and how the Jebusites demonic power was allowed to come and take over our land. It hasn't taken over but you know what Jebusite means it means strong polluter and just like David said that's going to be the city of David this is the high place, this is the stronghold of Zion, I'm going to take it the enemy would love to take our country well, over my dead body not going to happen I'm going to do my part. I believe you're going to do your part in the raising of your family and removing the Jebusites and getting a dumb phone or whatever you got to do to hear God's voice and to serve him, to have a radical obedience and receive ridiculous blessing. God wants to turn America around. America's turned around one family at a time. You want revival? Put a circle around yourself and have one. Jesus has already done it. It's a great word, great words, two great messages, really. Both of the Haggertys have become ministers and we're rejoicing. Would you guys stand right here, please? And you know, before we just pray over you, Barb, you lost your mom, right? (laughs) I stand corrected. Heaven received your mother, she graduated. And uh, you're here, and, and she's, you're rejoicing that your mom's in heaven. We rejoice with you. But I pray, God, that you would touch, touch, and strengthen, and help. And, Lord, give great wisdom to, to Barb. and Comfort her, even at her feeling of loss, perhaps. And bless Barb. Touch her family. Thank you for the graduation of her mama into glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Just reach your hands towards the Haggerty's pastors, ministers. Would you come around them? We receive this glorious gift of the Haggertys and the elevation of their ministry in this house, the King's School of Ministry, and the young adults, and all the areas that they serve. Lord, and we believe that this word that they preached to us is a prophetic word over them. And through their radical obedience, you're going to release ridiculous blessings. The right and the left from behind them, in front of them, that you'd pour out over them, Lord, in such supernatural ways, over their children, over their grandchildren, that you'd pour out over them. We thank you for the gift that they are to us. We honor them tonight. We celebrate the good things that you've done, the good things you're doing, and all that you will yet do. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Put your hands together. Amen.